Welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide. We are happy to be queer to answer your questions. I'm Gina. And I'm Cheyenne. And class is now in session. This week, we are back in history class for part two on Sapphic history. We have tons more people to talk to you about all of these change makers, people before us who have uh, made Sapphic life what it is today. So we're happy to dig into the rest of our peeps. So the first person we have is Gertrude or Ma Rainey, who was a blues legend who was arrested for having an orgy with a bunch of chorus girls in 1925, which is badass. Work. Uh, <laughs> yes. The incident was said to influence the song Prove It On Me Blues with the memorable lyric, went out last night with a crowd of my friends. They must have been women because I don't like no men, which same. I relate mm -hmm. to that. And Ma Rainey actually had a protege slash lover named Bessie Smith, who also liked to sing about girls and was into chorus girls herself, especially one named Lillian Simpson. They had an intense relationship, and after one argument, Bessie yelled, I got 12 women on this show, and I could have one every night if I wanted. So, like, OG fuckboy. <laughs> I'm I kind of it. living for it, though. I know. Yeah. This is the, the historical tea I needed. <laughs> yeah, get your girls. <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. Okay. So next up, we've got Storm Delavrier, who was a butch lesbian instructed by police to leave during a raid on the Stonewall Riot Inn in New York City in the June of 1969. She refused, and one of the officers hit her on the head with a baton while trying to force her into a waiting police wagon. She responded by punching him in the face and screamed, why don't you guys do something, which catalyzed the most well-known queer uprising in the United States and led to the, form, uh, the formation of pride parades. She continued to be a prominent feature in the community and worked as a bouncer for numerous lesbian bars in New York in the 1980s. And she also volunteered as a street patrol worker and referred to herself as the guardian of lesbians in the village and their very own lesbian superhero. Storm remained a bouncer until she was 85 years old and she unfortunately passed away in 2014. So RIP to a real one. Yeah, I know she doesn't get a lot of credit when people talk about the Stonewall riots, but she should because she was like literally the catalyst um, in yeah, that whole movement. Yeah, and then continued to like stay on the scene and like help out the community. So we definitely need to talk about her a bit more. Fuck okay. Yeah. And the next person we have is Audre Lorde. In 1980, this intersectional feminist and writer helped to co-found Kitchen Table, Women of Color Press, with Barbara Smith to highlight the importance of providing writers of color with spaces to talk about the intersections of their identities without being subjected to the whims of white feminists. Yeah, I read a lot of Audre Lorde. I'm a big fan of her poems. Um, I have her, what she calls her biomythography. I'm reading that oh, later this year. I don't know what to expect, to be honest, but I'm a big fan of her writing and she does very much like to go into an intersectional feminist kind of themes in her writing. Mm. So yeah, big, big fan. What would you recommend for someone just getting into Audre Lorde? Um, her poetry, I really like Cole. Um, or yeah. the black unicorn. Those are the ones I read and mm -hmm. they're really nice, like lesbian poetry and mm -hmm. also like 
black feminist kind of poetry, which I appreciate. I, there was actually one poem I really liked and related to it. So I wrote it out and like posted it on my girlfriend's mirror for her to like, read the next day because we're so gay. You're so gay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Okay. Next up, we have Adrian Rich. So during the second wave of feminism, American writer Adrian Rich wrote an essay called Compulsory Heterosexuality and Lesbian Existence, which promoted that heterosexuality was an obligatory political institution and that the only reason heterosexuality was deemed quote-unquote normal was that it benefited the patriarchy. True. The mm -hmm. essay also highlighted lesbian erasure and its effects on lesbianism, both historically and politically. So compet, an important topic to cover from yeah. Adrienne Rich here. We mentioned that all the time. And I also, I think it was interesting that her and Audre Lorde were friends, but they didn't always see eye to eye. And that was kind of the, um, one of the white feminists that Audre struggled to kind of be on the same page with. Uh, so obviously they yeah. both have their contributions, but as we know, historically, everyone is flawed, <laughs> but uh, yeah. White people still have a long way to go. And I'm sure that this, at this point in time was no different and feminism honestly still has a long way to go. And at this time there was a lot of lack of intersectionality in a lot of ways. So I can see mm -hmm. why heads were being butted. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Stan Audrey Lord. Um, anyway. <laughs> so this next person we have is Jewel Ty Williams. In 1973, Jewel purchased a bar that had previously shunned black patrons and transformed it into Jewel's Catch One, one of America's first black discos. She welcomed everyone, regardless of race, gender, or sexual orientation. In the late 90s, she saw the lack of medical options for the black community and earned her master's degree in oriental medicine she opened the village health foundation co-founded the minority aids project and later served on the board of the aids project of los angeles she and her wife rue now operate rue's house which provides services to women and children living with hiv aids we love a couple that activists together yeah i love that a few of these highlight the role that queer women played in the entire AIDS crisis when, pe when you know, the people who were supposed to be taking care of mm -hmm. the sick were not, and lesbians really stepped up to the plate, hence why L is the first letter in the acronym, because, you know, uh, they were highlighted for really taking the reins on that situation and helping out and being there. Yeah, lesbians and... know how to fucking show up, that is for sure. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yep. All right, this next person is a freaking badass. Her name is Marion Diaz. She's bisexual. She was an L.A. gang member by the time of 13 and had to go to prison at 18 for attempted murder through said gang. But upon her release, she got a job doing gang prevention work for the Community Youth Gang Services of L.A., 
1995, she founded Clean Slate, which helps former gang members, felons, and survivors of domestic abuse. And they do a lot of things like providing therapy, other programs to get people back on their feet, affordable tattoo removal. It's a really cool program. Um, And she was also the director of outreach services for the Southern California Counseling Center and works with LGBTQ youth in L.A., So such a cool story of like being able to turn things around. Obviously her upbringing must not have been easy, but what she was able to do with it is just so cool. Yeah, that's really powerful that she was able to come out on the other side of like (laughs) poverty and racism and the, I mean, obviously we're not free of those things, but like the prison industrial complex and actually find ways to like get people back out into society and uh I don't even want to say productive because that just sounds like I'm like saying like yay capitalism but I don't even like mean it in that way but like kind of yeah like just like not putting them back into the same situation that they were in before and yeah obviously wasn't favorable um so I love that so this next person we have is Colonel Marguerite Kammermeyer, who was born in Norway before serving in the German army. She came to the University of Washington for her master's and PhD, got divorced, and joined the National Guard. She fell in love with a woman and was discharged two years later, and then she ended up filing a federal lawsuit against the Department of Defense. Uh, the judge ruled her discharge unconstitutional, and in her retirement, she devoted herself full-time to overturning Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Cool. I, like, queerness aside, I think it's so interesting that you can serve in military forces for more than one country in one lifetime. Yeah. That is, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't know how any of the legal but also stuff like, works, but I think that's so interesting. I think like the U.S. military, they're like, yeah, come on. Come on We're, in. Yeah. Are you yeah, coming to our, Join us. yeah, our industrial complex over here? I don't think it's like right. <laughs> too hard to get them to, I mean, unless you were gay, obviously, but I guess they fixed yeah. that. Don't ask, don't tell has quite a history. So cool that she also worked to overturn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we've got next up trans lesbian Phyllis Randolph Fry. She came out as a trans woman while in the ROTC program and promptly got rejected by the military. So to protect herself from some neighborhood hate that she was experiencing, she became a lawyer. Five years after her first case, which was defending a closeted military member, she created the International Conference on Transgender Law and Employment Policy. And then in 2010, she became the first openly gay judge in her county and was later honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Transgender Foundation of America. Wow. All all these military gays, well, almost... Yeah, she didn't quite make it there, but you know, she yeah. could have if the world wasn't over. She wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. The next lesbian we have is named Pat Hussein. Pat was married twice before coming out as a lesbian in her late 20s and met her partner Cherry a few years later. Um, also, I just have to say that Cherry is such a cute name and also such a gay name like it's giving cherry mm-hmm. chapstick i love it um but anyways pat spent her life in activism including stuffing envelopes for the naacp co-founding the atlanta chapter of glad and helping the gay and lesbian task force with marches on washington 
She was the lesbian grand marshal of the first Pride Parade in Knoxville, Tennessee, and founded the Southerners on New Ground at the 1993 National LGBTQ Task Force Conference. Awesome. 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 All right. Next, we've got Lorraine Hutchins, who is bisexual, and she got involved in both the gay rights and women's rights movements growing up. And she served on the Binet Board of Directors to help spread bisexual awareness and resources. I love that bisexual awareness. Like, it's like, be aware of us, please. We need more attention. Um, (laughs) And I'm not saying that ironically. Literally pay attention to us. (laughs) That's so fun. Um, She marched on Washington for gay liberation in the 90s. And in 1998, she became the first bisexual grand marshal for the D.C. Pride Parade. And then Mm -hmm. she became a writer throughout the late 90s and 2010s, where she wrote on bisexual topics. And her writing was recognized by the National LGBTQ Task Force, the Rainbow History Project of D.C., and even more. So these people have all these accolades. I'm like, should I be doing more with my life? Right. (laughs) I mean, I already feel like I'm not doing enough, but I feel like that's just like toxic productivity culture and all that you know no no later in life we're gonna have this podcast is gonna be so heavily awarded so like our biographies will be like they had a successful queer advice podcast that is a queerity award winner you know whatever yeah like a staple in the in the sapphic community um actually that's already credit us i'm manifesting it (laughs) yeah yeah there we go i mean we did help someone realize that they were gay and like leave their it's husband not just right? one person we've helped yeah, tons of at people. least one at least one leave their husband but we helped <laughs> more than one person yeah i mean sexuality I've... for sure yeah before this podcast i helped a few people leave their husbands so i think my job here is done <laughs> we're in the business of leaving husbands <laughs> Okay. This next person we have is named Emma Colkeet Sayers. Emma was a successful businesswoman in Texas and was heavily involved in charity. She created the Emma's Elves Project, which for 11 years provided holiday gifts to local children. She created LifeWalk at the height of the AIDS epidemic, which is still an ongoing AIDS fundraiser for the Dallas area. Outside of work, she and her wife won a hard custody battle over their adopted daughter, Trinity. Another lesbian out there doing AIDS work. You know, actually, mm-hmm. when this airs, I'll have last weekend, uh, maybe two weekends ago, actually walked in my local AIDS walk. Oh, so. that's really cool. My uh, yeah. grandma did a lot of like work with the local community for stuff with AIDS. So I was always going to stuff like that as a child. I love that. Yeah. I love it. So Sharon Day, uh, she ended up in recovery for alcoholism after having a fractured childhood, which led her to actually study chemical dependency. Her brother tested positive for HIV in 1987, which showed her the complete lack of HIV education or prevention, specifically for Native Americans. So in response, she created the Indigenous People's Task Force and served as a director. She's also a water walker, artist, musician, and writer. And she's been honored with numerous awards, including the Red Ribbon Award from the National Native American AIDS Prevention Resource. And in 1988, the governor of Minnesota proclaimed an entire day in her honor. 
you know, I'd go out on a limb to say there's a lot of lack of medical studies around the indigenous population, unfortunately, as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not fair, but it's cool that she took it upon herself to do something because I bet there's a lot of gaps. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. This next person we have is named Betsy Parsons. Betsy was afraid to come out as a lesbian for her first few years of teaching, but decided to come out two years after helping to found the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, GLSEN, of Southern Maine. She worked to create safe spaces for queer kids, was involved in HIV-AIDS activism, and helped future out teachers to keep their jobs. She also helped form Gay Straight Trans Alliances, GSTAs, across the state of Maine and gave resources to supporting faculty, which I love because my, speaking of my grandma, my grandparents' next-door neighbors growing up were lesbians, but I wasn't allowed to, like, tell anybody once I figured it out because one of them worked at my school and, like, they didn't want to risk her losing her job and someone very close to me is queer and works in a school and it's, like, very touchy what they can and can't speak about with their students so I mean this is obviously still an issue today and I wish more people were involved in that kind of work in schools yeah I had actually just in a school but I had a dance teacher growing up who was gay and she told me once I was like in high school and like Mm -hmm. it kind of came up which is why she told me but she was kind of like don't tell like don't go around saying anything because if parents hear it, they might get mm-hmm. like all weirded out. Now she's out now at the time she had a partner and now she's like a wife and child. Mm-hmm. So they're like out, out for every, like, it's not a problem, but you know, in 2006, when I was at the dance studio, that was not right. quite the case as it is today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like in my high school, we knew the teachers that were gay and it like Me wasn't too. an issue. Um, two, although, two of my teachers were married. I work. Yeah. And queer teachers are so important. Yeah. So important. Yeah. <laughs> so next we have uh, Jewel Gomez, who is a founding member of GLAD. Um, she also served as the president of the San Francisco Library Commission and on the board of the uh, Astria Le- Lesbian Foundation for Justice. Her activist involvement was inspired by her Native American great-grandmother who pushed her to read and ultimately led to her writing. And she's most known for her novel, The Gilda Stories, which was published in 1991. Mm. Okay. And then the next person we have is a lesbian named Karen Clark. Karen was elected to the Minnesota House of Representatives in 1980 and worked for nearly 40 years in this position, championing for LGBTQ rights, women's rights, and social, economic, and environmental justice for low-income Native Americans and communities of color. In the 1990s, she worked to amend laws to protect gay people and in the 2010s worked to legalize gay marriage. Barack Obama honored her in 2013 as the Harvey Milk Champion of Change, and she retired in 2018 as the longest-serving out lesbian legislator in U.S. history at that time. I wonder who the current one is. That's really cool. That is cool. Very, very cool. All right, we've got next... Gigi Raven Wilbur, who is bisexual and intersex. Gigi was born intersex, actually, and uses he, him, and she, her pronouns. 
And she came out as dyslexic, ADHD, intersex, and bisexual all in college. And then from there went on to become an outspoken activist. He hosted radio programs focused on human sexuality, created Bisexuality Day events in the 90s, and also got involved in the BDSM world. She's most known for her essay, Walking in Shadows, Third Gender and Spirituality. So we've got a gender fluid royalty in the room here yeah that's a that's a lot another person making me feel inadequate but like at least they're doing the thing that i can't do um or haven't done yet i should say um okay so this next person we have is donna redwing um who is a lesbian and for 30 plus years donna was a national leader for human rights and lgbtqia plus equality she has worked with GLAD, the Human Rights Campaign, the Gale Foundation, and she served as co-chair of the Obama campaign's LGBT Leadership Council. She received many awards for her work, including the Interfaith Alliance's First Faith and Freedom Award, and she later served as their chief of staff. She and her wife have been together for over 30 years. Wow. Love that. 30 years is a long time. Mm. All right. Nancy Nangeroni. Um, She graduated from MIT in 1976, came out as a trans woman, and then began volunteering with the International Foundation for Gender Education, or the IFGE. She published work on gender issues and founded the Boston chapter of Transsexual Menace, a trans rights activist organization. And then she also founded the radio program Gender Talk. And she also led diversity trainings and workshops and then served in the 2000s for six years as chair of the Massachusetts Transgender Political Coalition. Along the way, she fell in love with gender activist Gordine McKenzie, and they produced a music video about the 1998 vigil for a black trans woman who was murdered and the ensuing controversy over the press coverage actually helped to spark the transgender day of remembrance wow. so there was this specific vigil in 1998 they made their music video about it and when this all hit the press that's where it became like okay we need to have a, a day of remembrance for trans people which wow. kind of cool like power of music kind of deal you know yeah wow it's art yeah yeah. Okay. So um, this next person we have prior to coming out as a trans woman, uh, Julie Nemec was active in the Baptist church and was assistant dean at a Christian university. After coming out, she was fired for conduct, quote unquote, not in keeping with biblical principles. After filing a federal discrimination complaint, Julie eventually settled with her former employer. She is now a public speaker and Presbyterian church elder and has been married to her wife, Joanne, for over 50 years. Good for her. Long-term lesbian relationships. I love. I know. And like, think about how much, like, you know, like the trend about like girl math right now, like in lesbian math, like Mm -hmm. that's like a hundred years centuries lifetimes literally yeah yeah, every lifetime all right so next we've got terry Baum, who started writing plays in high school and for half a century actually she created shows that addressed issues Mm. such as gay marriage the holocaust 
and queer history. She founded a community theater and had a brief political career before focusing again on creating plays that tell feminist, queer, and Jewish histories, including one of her um, plays was actually a story about Eleanor Roosevelt and her rumored lover, Lorena Hickok, which I don't even know if I had remembered this rumor, but I'm now interested in the play. Like, that's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to include something about Eleanor Roosevelt in some of my research from earlier, but we had so many amazing people to read about. And I felt like that one was like slightly more well known. So I left. We always have out of here. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of LGBTQ History Month comes every October. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's really cool though and it's like the whole trope of like us loving historical gays like it just proves that that was even a thing (laughs) 30 years in the past right yeah so this next person I have is June Lagme June grew up in historic Filipino town in LA where she fell in love with her now wife Rita After college, she became involved with Dignity Los Angeles, the first gay and lesbian Catholic group, which at the time was still meeting in secret. She helped manage the campaign of Don Amador, the first openly gay man to run for city council, and she later served as the first co-chair of Asian Pacific Lesbians and Gays. She went on to be the first openly LGBTQ and Asian American appointed as city clerk. And during those years, she helped to start an LGBTQ organization for city hall employees. After retiring, she was honored by API Quality LA for her decades of human rights activism. Amazing. Last one for today for this for this LGBT history month this year, Mary Morton, who was a lesbian and she became Chicago now's first black woman president at the age of 29 and now is the National Organization for Women. In 1997, the mayor appointed Mary as his as his liaison to the Chicago gay community. And in 2000, she was named the director of the Violence Prevention Office for the Chicago Department of Public Health. She co-founded the Illinois Safe School Alliance, and she developed many LGBTQ anti-racist programs. And she spent much of her life creating documentaries on activism in the African-American LGBT community. And in 1996, she was inducted into the Chicago Gay and Lesbian Hall of Fame. Wow. Was there anything that stood out to you about everyone we talked about or like anything that surprised you? That you didn't know. I think what stood out, and you'd mentioned this, that there was a lot of lesbians doing AIDS work and mm-hmm. founding AIDS programs and just kind of being out there. I also think that it surprised me that some of these organizations didn't exist until the 90s yeah. or early 2000s. Um, so it's more of like, a, I think sometimes we think of obstacles for queer people as being so far in the past, but it's like... <laughs> Gay marriage was legalized during our lifetime. Women's right. rights was like taken away during our lifetime. Women only got the right to vote like 60 years ago or something. Like these things aren't as far back as as we think. Mm-hmm. So seeing some of this laid out and some of the change makers who were alive when I was born, I think that was just very indicative to me that like queer history is far from over. And 
yeah, maybe someday there's somebody talking about, you know, like we talked about somebody on the radio today, podcast or today's version of the radio. So maybe in the future, there's some sapphic people being like Gina and Cheyenne founded sapphic survival guide, which was a lesbian queer advice podcast and meme page and right. you know helped thousands of people come to terms with their identity like mm-hmm. it's just crazy like history still being made is like I think one of the biggest takeaways I took from this yeah I agree about the um point you made about like you think like oh these things have always existed or I couldn't possibly be the first one to start this like global national movement and it's wild to me to like think of all the things that we'll experience in our lifetime that aren't already a major part of our like community and society right now and then also it's like sad to think about all like how much erasure like I never heard any of that about like Marie Antoinette until I read it in this book that I did research on through and included it in this and like there are so many stories that I feel like haven't been told and that we're missing out on and that the general public doesn't know about that would be like an amazing form of media and like representation and creative outlet like I don't know we're just like lacking on so much because of straight cis people who want to make everything straight and cis basically right like imagine if we had known some of these amazing people when we got to actually like learn things in schools and we got to see right. different walks of life and and before know, we those, came out and before we yeah, came those to things terms play with such a play on people who are queer like mm-hmm. we need stories that reflect us and mm-hmm. so that's what we did today so Um, Just to reiterate our sources, all these stories come from either A Short History of Queer Women by Christy Loware, Transgender History, The Roots of Today's Revolution by Susan Stryker, or The Book of Pride, LGBTQ Heroes Who Changed the World by Mason Funk, who was the founder of the Outwards Archive, where these stories also live. And we would love it if you went and gave us a like, a follow, a review, all the things. We are Sapphic Survival Guide on all social media platforms except Twitter, which is at Sapphic Survival. Um, And we also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content. That's patreon.com backslash Sapphic Survival Guide. You can email us questions, Sapphic Survival Guide at gmail.com or just send them to us on our Instagram, preferably. And we also have a phone number if you want to leave any questions for us in the future. That phone number is 724-209-8877. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mescan on pretty much any social media platform. And I'm anywhere online at The Libra including my website, thelibragina.com. And um, hello, season three should be out anytime soon. So go listen wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, class is now dismissed.